The Spirit-filled life makes a difference, and we talked last week about caring makes a difference, and uh, before that, relationships make a difference. Let's start by talking about what does the Spirit-filled life mean? What does it mean when we talk about the Spirit-filled life? Thoughts on that? Depending on where you're coming from, what church background, there are definitely different thoughts as far as what does it mean to be spirit-filled? Yes? Dependence? Spirit-dependent? Yep, okay. Good, absolutely. It's a key component of being spirit-filled. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Yes? Emptied of self. Emptied of self is where it starts. And then... From, yep. So emptying of self and allowing the spirit to fill. What's another word for fill? Yep, uh, Brother Joe. Uh, just having spiritual things on the forefront of your mind. Sure, yeah, that, that's p- certainly part of it. Yep, to have the spiritual uh, uh, thoughts on your mind and so forth. Jason? Spirit control. Yeah, that's the, the word I was looking for, for filled. Uh, when you think of the word filled, um, there's a lot of things that could come to mind, but uh, controlled is the idea there, that, that we are emptied of self, as Brad said, and then we are filled with him or controlled by, by him. Other thoughts that come to mind? Yes? Being ready to give an answer with the truth that lies within you. Mm-hmm. Amen. And the Spirit gives an answer to us when we are depending on him and controlled by him. I hope you have experienced uh, uh, some time when the Holy Spirit just gave you the right word uh, or the, the Sp- Holy Spirit gave you what you needed when you were witnessing. Have you, have you had that experience? Not that we go looking for experiences. There have been so many times in my life where I've said to my wife, you know, I don't know where that came from other than the Lord. Uh, the Lord gave me exactly what I needed to tell that person whatever, give an answer. And it's, it's neat to see that we're not alone. You know, God doesn't just say, well, have fun with that. <laughs> that person gave you a doozy of a question. I want to sit down and see what you say, <laughs> you know. Uh, the Holy Spirit's not doing that, waiting for us to fail or setting us up to fail. The Holy Spirit is able to give us what we need. Um, I remember uh, when I was doing, how do I get this thing to raise? There it is. I remember when I was doing soul winning seminars, we would preach and teach on soul winning and then we'd take the uh, students out into the neighborhoods. And I remember this one particular neighborhood, it was 40 degrees and raining. Why is it always 40 degrees and raining when you're going out? I got so sick after this, but I wasn't sick at the time. Um, And we went up to this one house and there's this big crimson tide flag. Anybody know Roll Tide, Alabama, Alabama, right? Okay, yeah. Um, uh, This huge flag, and I thought, okay, this guy's a sports guy. I can maybe break the ice by talking sports. And so he he opened up the door, and I started talking to him about sports, and he was just the nicest guy. Come on out of the cold. Come on, come on in. So we came in, and that conversation just ended up being so natural, just so 
obviously guided of the Lord. I wasn't working to guide this thing. Have you ever been in a conversation where you're trying so hard? I need to get to this point. I need to get to this point. Oh, we're, we're stuck. We're stuck. Oh, come on, come on. There was none of that. It was like the easiest thing. And um, he had several questions right off the top. He had questions and the Lord was giving me answers. Of course, I had these two people with me that I was training. And... Uh, Oh, I, I wish I could give you the whole, all the details, but bottom line, he was ready to get saved. He was sitting in his house ready to get saved, didn't know it. So he went, we went through the whole gospel with him. He, he was understanding, and then he'd be confused. I think, oh no, we're losing him. Well, hang in there, God's brought us this far, and the Lord would bring us through the confusion. And you saw the light bulbs going off in his mind, and he prayed right there accepted the Lord as a Savior, and uh, then we got to follow up with him later and take the pastor back and meet, meet the pastor and all that sort of thing. Uh, and I remember this, as, as we turned around and walked out of his house, uh, we were just so excited. The whole thing had gone so well. But we walked out, and one of the two that I was training looks at me and says, that was so easy, I could have done that one. <laughs> and I thought, praise the Lord, uh, you could have. You could have, because that was the Holy Spirit. And I, I wasn't offended. Like, what do you mean? You could have done that. I'm the professional here. I'm the trainer. Don't, you, what do you, who do you think you are? No, I was glad that he saw it that way. And I said, you know, you're exactly right. If that's what you got out of this, then you got the right lesson. When the Holy Spirit is all over it, it's not hard. And I said, you saw how that worked. He asked questions. The Lord gave me answers. We just went back and forth. And uh, yeah, you could have done it. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you could have done it. The Lord gave us the Holy Spirit for so many reasons, one of which was to comfort us. He is the comforter. Uh, one is, is that he is the Lord of the harvest, and, and he is the one who leads us out into the harvest field and gives us the answers that we need to every man. We're in Acts chapter 4, and if you remember where we left off, uh, the the apostles had, <coughs> excuse me, had, had pity on a lame man. And some incredible stuff takes place, right? I got to find my way back over to Acts chapter 4. He gets healed, but more than that, his testimony turns the place upside down. The religious leaders throw a fit and 5,000 get saved. Um, but before, so in, in, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go up to the temple at the hour of prayer. They see a certain lame man. They fasten their eyes on him. And they say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise and walk. And, and they lift him up. And he, he walks. And then he ultimately is saved. He, 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 he recognizes this as Jesus. Um, they then are able to preach a message. And it's verses... 12, all the way down to verse 26 is the message that Peter preaches. Verse 19 is a great verse. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And uh, as he gets this opportunity to preach his heart out, what does God do? He brings 5,000 people to salvation. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. <laughs> as they spake... Under the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. 
And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. This message that was preached in Acts chapter 3, what I want you to see is, was a message that was, was from the Holy Spirit. It was a Spirit-empowered message. Peter was a Spirit-filled individual. Um, and you'll see that also in Acts chapter 4. So, uh, this is not just Peter was a great preacher. That's what you have to recognize. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was the guy who denied Jesus Christ. Peter was the guy who thought it was about swinging swords, and he ends up cutting off an ear. Um, he, he was a good guy, I'm sure. He would have been fun to be around and all that, but he was not something great to, to look at. I'm skipping ahead here, but let's do it anyway. Uh, go down to chapter 4, uh, verse... Okay. Hang on. Oh, where's the verse where they say... Um, they took knowledge of them. They've been with, oh, there it is, verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. One thing I want you to see about being spirit-filled is it, it overcomes and compensates for whatever deficiencies you may have in your life. They marveled at Peter and I've talked about this a lot. You've heard me preach now. You've heard me preach from this verse, I'm sure, a couple of times. Uh, they weren't marveling at what a powerful man. What a smart guy. Did you hear that message? No, they marveled at him being unlearned and ignorant. That's not exactly a, a, a compliment. Wow, you are so unlearned. Unreal. But it was a compliment because they said there's only one way to explain this. He's been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. This should give us encouragement that any one of us can be used of God despite our failings, frailties, uh, whatever factors we're dealing with in our life. We can, we can accomplish God's work because of His Spirit. Um, it is not just that God calls the equipped. He equips the called with his spirit. So we'll look at three perspectives on being filled with the spirit. And the first is the priority of being filled with the spirit. The priority <clears throat> of being filled with the spirit. As the crowd gathered, Peter was given an opportunity to, to defend the faith of the apostles he was given the opportunity to preach the word and look at what it says. So he already preached in chapter 3. Now we're in chapter 4. And he's got another opportunity to, to talk to the council, the rulers and elders, verse 6, Annas, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, all the kindred of the high priest. They're all sitting here to counsel, to, to, to have this council uh, judgment. And they ask, by what power or by what name have ye done this? Now that right there is such a setup for any preacher. And since he was filled with the Spirit, he didn't miss it. Now I have missed many opportunities when I was not controlled by the Spirit. 
I've thought back later and thought, man, that happened today, this happened today. I wonder if God wanted me to say something, but I wasn't thinking that way. I was more controlled by my own thoughts, my own timetable, and maybe, maybe missed some opportunities. He didn't miss this opportunity. Why? Verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, etc., etc., etc. The most important phrase right there is, Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said. The priority of every Christian <laughs> needs to be that we are controlled, filled by the Holy Spirit. It will change the way we witness. It will change the way we work, the way we spend our time, the decisions that we make. I don't believe you need to obsess over, um, you know, sometimes people can get so introspective. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit now? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit now? Um, just depend on Him, as what Tyler said. Dependence. Depend upon the Lord. Depend upon the Spirit. Uh, surrender to him and and continue to surrender through the day as need be looking to him for an answer uh, Paul commands under the inspiration of Scripture commands husbands to uh, be filled with the Spirit Ephesians 5:18, and this is a passage uh, on, on wives submitting to their husbands a husband's loving their wives but before he gets into all that Ephesians 5:18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit I think a lot of times we go to Ephesians 5 and we think that the husband and wife passage doesn't start until a couple, couple of verses later. No, that, uh, Ephesians 5.18 is where that, that passage needs to start. If the husband and wife are under the influence of the Spirit, it's going to change that marriage. You know, the, the analogy there in Ephesians 5 is a good one. Uh, when it says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, you might see that as kind of an odd uh, comparison. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. What does that have to do with anything? Don't be under the influence of wine. Be under the influence of the Spirit. Don't be intoxicated with wine. Be intoxicated with the Spirit. In other words, as wine can control you, I don't want that kind of control, he says. I do want the Holy Spirit's control. That's what we're shooting for. Letter A, the Holy Spirit is our promise. <clears throat> John 16, Jesus explained that he'd be going away, but that he would send a comforter to them to teach and guide them. Uh, John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. He's the comforter that was promised, and he's the comforter that was sent. Uh, Acts 1, it says, and being assembled together, verse 4, with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And in Acts chapter 2, of course, that happens in its very deed. He promised the Holy Spirit, and so you and I can depend upon that promise and should. If you have a very difficult conversation coming up, depend on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Pray, Lord, you promised to give me the comforter, to give me peace, to give me the words through your spirit. Uh, do not act as though you are left alone for any of the things that you're going through. We have the Holy Spirit. Letter B, the Holy Spirit is our power. 
Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You can't do that on your own. God does not expect you to do it on your own. He has given you the Spirit of God. And as He came upon them in the book of Acts, He so comes upon us. And this is how we can witness. And again, as I said before, I hope you have experienced His enablement as He controls you and fills you and opens your mouth. And that's what people need. They need to hear from Jesus. They don't need to hear from me. They need to hear Him. The word translated power in Acts 1.8 is different from the word power used in other places, such as Matthew 28.18. Uh, the Greek word here is dunamis, or from the word dunamai. Uh, it has uh, the idea, you can look it up in Strong's Concordance, has the idea of strength, miraculous power, abundant might. It's the origin of our, of our modern-day word dynamite. You shall receive dynamite power, okay? So God's not going to just give you a little bit. He's, he's able to give you all the power that you need to be a witness. And I've seen this take place in the most unlikely of vessels. It was the coolest thing to be in evangelism and see somebody get touched by the Holy Spirit and then get this boldness to go share the gospel with someone else. They've never been trained. They have no idea what they're doing. I'm kind of half nervous for them. And there they go, talking to their family member. And uh, it's okay, let them go. The Holy Spirit is, is, is convicting them and, and using them. And uh, it's an encouragement to us to recognize, hey, it doesn't take 10 years of Bible college to be able to know the Holy Spirit's power. He enables us to do what we cannot do in our own strength. This could, be forgive, this could even be forgiveness. All right, We think of the Holy Spirit to enable us to witness, but it could be the Holy Spirit enabling us to forgive. could be the Holy Spirit enabling us to refuse sin, uh, to say no to temptation, to say yes to God. It could be the Holy Spirit giving us what we need to love someone. You know, we don't think about that. Lord, enable me to love this person. For so many of us, we compartmentalize the Holy Spirit to certain aspects of our life. I need His power for witnessing. The Holy Spirit is my witnessing empowerer. No, I mean, yes, but more than that. It is, it don't put Him in a box. He can enable you to love. He can enable you to forgive. He can enable you to have victory. He can enable you to to not say that unkind word uh, to your spouse, to your kids. Uh, uh, he, is, he is the power that we need, period. And uh, <clears throat> he wants us to, to, to know that power daily, on an ongoing, uh, ongoing day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis. Do you know his power? Are you resting on his promise? It is the priority of every believer to be filled, controlled, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Thoughts, questions on that before we go to the next one? All right, let's look at number two, at the pathway. <clears throat> the pathway to being filled with the Spirit. So uh, point number two basically is saying, here's the practicals. Because you might ask, well, how do you do it? 
How do, you, how do you know you're filled, or how do you get there? In fact, look, before we get into it, what are some things that come to your mind as far as the practical how-to? Yes. That's really good. You're like, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. I don't like you at all. He does. You know? <laughs> Amen. I think I, I wasn't thinking of that, but that is so true, so right. And I'm terrible at that. But you're right. To wait. I, I, I've never regretted waiting, but I have regretted not waiting too many times to count. Um, but that's a neat testimony, though, that they had a good relationship with you, even though you were maybe a little frustrated or whatever. Um, the, the Holy Spirit salvaged your testimony by you waiting on him and letting him fill you for the response. It salvaged the relationship. That's really cool. Wow. So there you go. Uh, it's not in the notes, but it should be, you know, how to walk in the Spirit. First of all, maybe wait. Wait to take that first step until you know that your flesh is out of the way, which kind of goes back to what Brad said. Brad's out in the lobby now. You have to be emptied of self before you can be filled with his Spirit. So maybe we have to not answer before we can get his answer. Very good. Waiting on the Lord. Is, is definitely a part of it. What else comes to your mind as far as the practicals of the pathway to being filled with the Spirit? Ed. Trust. Trust that His promise is true. Amen. Reckon it to be true. Yeah, amen. That's good. Trust that His promises are true. Reckon it to be true, and then dead, uh, depend on that. Take that step of faith. Excellent. Yes, sir. Um, I think that being obedient when God tells you to speak and step out. Don't be afraid to be heard. God will give you the words. Um, I think you and I have talked, but <clears throat> I'll just say this. It's totally Holy Spirit-led. But four months ago, the Lord uh, had me begin to step out in a restaurant and just stand up and testify to the Lord. I've done it probably 10 or 12 times now on Sunday morning, and I just deliver to seven people a devotion, and I relate it to a story, and I am totally shocked at the receptivity of people that just wouldn't think that 
you know, they want want to shut you down, but they don't. People are wow. hungry. And wow. It's given me some ways used in a greater yeah. even a greater uh, extent because of the trial Saturday you know I play baseball yeah and uh, I was playing in Detroit and uh, I was on 9-11 and most of the guys that I play with are Italian Catholics um, and so anyway the two umpires called everybody onto the field and he said, we want to take a minute of total quietness to honor our fallen comrades. And I instantly knew God said, step forward and pray. So I stepped forward and I just took my hat off. I said, is there anybody here on either team that would object to me praying instead of us being silent? And I did. And the reception from both teams was unbelievable. Wow. Amen. Thank you for sharing those things. You know, what I want to say about that is this. Uh, I, I believe Dave is doing what God's leading him to do. He's following the Holy Spirit's lead. Um, sometimes what we do is we hear stories like this, and what you don't want to do is say, well, I need to be like Dave. So where's a baseball team? Or where's a, next time I'm in a restaurant? That would miss the point. The point is, follow the Holy Spirit. I used to hear testimonies like what Dave just gave when I was a freshman in Bible college. You hear some testimony, I'd be like, whoa, man, the faith, oh, the boldness, oh, that's so cool. I'm going to do that. And I'd walk out to do what they testified to doing and blow the thing to smithereens somewhere, scare people half to death. If God is in it, it's amazing what takes place. And I've been there when God was in it. And I've been there when God wasn't. And when God's not in it, <laughs> it's also a sight to behold. But the key is, so I've talked with Dave. Dave's heart is overflowing right now with a lot that God's doing. And pray for Dave. We have been praying for you. He's going through a trial. And sometimes you get the closest to the Lord when you're going through a, a, a trial, and a long-term trial. And God is teaching him so much that his heart is overflowing here and there, wherever he goes, as he is depending on the Lord. And folks, if we're going to seek after anything, seek after that heart that loves Jesus and that wants to learn and follow and obey him. And then, as he mentioned, obey. That's, that's it. Uh, sometimes half the battle is not knowing what we're supposed to do. It's whether or not I'm, supposed, I'm going to obey right now, you know. Um, uh, but to spill over. In fact, you're ahead of me here, Dave. Uh, Acts chapter 4, they tell them and they command them, don't speak anymore in his name. And they said this, we cannot help but speak the things that we have seen and heard. And uh, I think that's what you're testifying to. God's given you some things and you can't help 
but speak. And if God is leading, and if, if God is, is, over, is, letting, is something bubbling over in your heart, it's the Holy Spirit, obey, yield, let him use you. Yep. Customers that I've had opportunities to pray with, it's remarkable. They just, one lady, and I think they were both atheists, but because of the way they talked, but the one was waiting on a lung transplant. She lived with her sister, they're elderly. And I just said, you know, I know you know that I'm a Christian. I said, would you care if I prayed with you? Hmm. Oh no, we love that, we believe in prayer. Wow. So. You know, I, I got to touch on another point here. So there's another dynamic to, to this because you say, well, how, how's God given this to Dave? And he's, he's praying with atheists at work. What in the world? Who gets to pray with atheists at work? People cannot deny reality. And what happened here in Acts chapter 4 is this. Go back over to verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. In other words, there was a real thing that had happened. It was totally inarguable. The guy who got healed is standing here. We cannot say a thing against it. We're looking at two guys who are nothing to look at of themselves. They're unlearned, ignorant men. What in the world's going on here? These guys have been with Jesus. When you have been with Jesus, opportunities do open up for you that even will turn the heads of, as you mentioned, atheists, or in this case, the very guys who had the blood of Jesus still on their hands, hadn't even dried yet. Jesus had just been killed not long ago. And they have an opportunity to preach the gospel to them and live to tell about it. That's, that's amazing. The point is we need to spend time with Jesus. Now, sometimes that is, uh, comes via a trial. And the Lord says, I'm going to take you through a valley you're going to go through a dark time. This is going to be a trial of your life, but I'm going to walk with you and we're going to be closer than we've ever been. But if you'll walk with him through that trial and be close with him, spend that time with Jesus, you can come through it with boldness you didn't know you could ever have, with opportunities that you never would have dreamed of. But the key is it needs to be real. Now I have been, um, I don't know if anyone else is, is sitting here thinking this, but I, I have heard these kind of testimonies where I missed the point, and I would seek the experience in my youthful zeal and make a mess and hurt myself, hurt my faith. Uh, the point to take away is seek Jesus. For every single one of us seeks to walk with Jesus and to know Jesus, and if he's taking us through a trial, walk with him through a trial and get to know till our heart overflows. Uh, you had some unique opportunities. And those typically don't work. But you know what? Um, we, people can tell when someone really has something to say. So you have had times to talk to complete strangers, and they've listened to you in a public setting. Why? Because they could sense a reality. They could sense this guy's got something to say. What in the world's on his heart that he would talk to us right now? And, and there's a reality. They could sense this verse, that he has been with Jesus. I'm not trying to lift you up. I'm just saying, you know, what God's teaching you. calling book 
sometimes I read out of that. Today I read out of the Bible, but two weeks ago I literally had a lady get out of her booth from all the way across the restaurant, throw her arms around me, in tears, right in front of everybody, and just thank me. She said, I'm from Arizona. She said, I've never heard anybody be bold enough to stand up and witness for the Lord like that. I said, well, it's not me. If you knew me five months ago, mm -hmm. I said, you couldn't give me a million dollars to stand up and do what I do. But, you know, I just, uh, I tell them, I said, I have a heart for your soul. No, just try to be real. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's, that's, that's tremendous. Thank you for sharing that, Dave. And uh, we are praying for you and, and what the Lord is allowing you to go through. And it's for a purpose, and God's using it. And you look at these guys, they had to spend a couple nights in jail. That's not fun. Um, but they got out of there, and they realized 5,000 people had gotten saved. Uh, and then they get this opportunity to preach to the, the Sanhedrin, or you know, the, 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 the high priest and so forth. And what an opportunity. And all this boldness that they had was due to the fact that they had been with Jesus. So you mentioned obeying and mentioned a lot of other things. Uh, other things come to mind as far as the practicals of how to be filled with the Spirit that you guys wanted to mention. Commit thy ways and the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy ways. Mm. what to say, what to do. We've got to put our commitment to say, whatever the Lord you, know, you want me to do, I'll do. And then he will establish your Amen. Which is another way of saying surrender to him, yield to him. You're committing your way. You're yielding and surrendering your way to him. Amen. Uh, well, let's look at a couple things from the book here. Um, Let's see. The ones who were filled with the Spirit were not just Peter and John. Notice this. Uh, Acts 4.31 says, When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the Word of God with boldness. That should give hope for anybody here. It's not just the super saints, if there is such a thing, or the preachers or the missionaries. When they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Uh, so if we desire to be filled with, with the Spirit, we can consider a couple of points here that he makes from this text. Number one, connect with God. Give priority to spending time with him in prayer and Bible study. In other words, uh, start by just walking with him. We saw the boldness there in verse, 14, verse 13 came from them spending time with Jesus. So, uh, and there it is in your notes, Acts 4.13b, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> uh, Holy Spirit filled, filling and boldness comes from spending time with Jesus. And if you've ever uh, spent time with him and have been, uh, just had your heart overflowing, uh, you know what it's like to, to, to realize, well, God used me here and there, and I, I, I didn't see that coming. I just kind of overflowed. Uh, it's, it's an exciting thing. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me. And I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Without me, nothing. We don't even get a little bit. Without me, you can do a little. No, without me, you can do nothing. So spend time with him first. And that will keep us honest. It's not like um, you spend time with God 
until you figure out how to do this. And then you just do it from there. That's how we think uh, w w with so much. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go get a trainer. The trainer will teach me how to, how, to, how to work out. Once I've got it, then I'll go home. I don't need the trainer anymore. And that may be fine for, for working out. But God's not like some personal trainer that we need for a little bit of time, and then we've got this to take it from there on out. No, we're going to need to walk with him uh, continually. Uh, there was a missionary um, that I heard about from like 100 years ago, something like that, who uh, came from nowhere, nobody, but God used him in some miraculous preaching campaigns. And some like out of the ordinary stuff would happen. Borderline bizarre. But it was obviously God was doing it. People were getting saved and lives changed and so forth. And he began to eventually take his eyes off the Lord and he just thought he could like call down this power from heaven. And his meetings dried up. Nothing was happening. And no one's getting saved. And, and uh, it really uh, shocked him. And that's when he, he, he went aside and was helped by another uh, Christian who pointed out, you know, this was never you. This was never you. This was the Holy Spirit's power from the beginning. You were never going to get to this point where you've learned and now you've got it. No, you're going to be depending on him. You're just the, van, the vessel, just the channel of the Holy Spirit's power. So let's make sure we're seeking him daily. It's not just an appointment we check off, but someone that we're connecting with and surrendering to. Uh, uh, Shane said, commit your way to him. Uh, every morning, let's commit our way to him, commit ourselves to him, surrender afresh to him. So connect with God was the first. Then confess. Make sure you are dealing with the sin and the, the obstacles and the weights that come in and derails us. There are obstacles and impediment, impediments which hinder his flow, if you will, uh, and his presence in our lives. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Just the idea of, of saying, I know I've got this sin, and I'm going to regard it and go my merry way. And I'm still going to talk to God, and he's going to do whatever I want him to do. The Lord says, ah, excuse me, I'd like you to deal with that, that you're regarding. In other words, this is not just something that you don't know about. This is something that you totally know about, that you've made a decision to regard rather than deal with, repent, and, and God wants that to be dealt with. Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Going back to what Brad said, emptied of self, and sin would be part of that, so that we can be filled with his spirit. Are we preoccupied with our sin and our self-life? If we are preoccupied with sin, a sinful self-life, you're not going to be preoccupied with the Spirit's life. It's, 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 a, it's an about-face that needs to take place. Empty yourself of sin and self. Come clean with God. Confess and forsake and have mercy. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which hath so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking diligently. Uh, once you've established that time with the Lord where you're connecting with God, 
then we need to also confess things as they come up to make sure that there is nothing between (coughs) me and him that would hinder uh, our relationship, our communion, my confidence. Um, Not that I'm getting my confidence from my uh, confessing, but confident that I'm obeying and and, and, uh, yielding to him. So confess. Any thoughts on that? All right. Um, And then call. Call on God. Ask him for his presence. Ask him for his filling. Ask him for his power. If ye then being evil, Luke eleven thirteen, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You know, sometimes uh, God's pretty basic, and we think it's so highfalutin. It just says ask. Lord, I need your Spirit's power today. Lord, would you fill me with your Spirit today? I want to make good decisions. I want to have good reactions. I want to be filled with faith. I'd like to be able to share your word with someone. Give me an opportunity and help me to sense it and and take a hold of it and give the gospel. Uh, You have not because you ask not. And maybe you say, you know, I just don't think I'm filled with the Spirit like so-and-so. It could simply be so-and-so asked and you didn't. What if that's all it is? Well, man, let's shore that one up. Let's take time each morning to empty ourself of self and ask him to fill us with his spirit, to uh, replace my answer with his answer, to replace my fear with faith, to replace the anger with humility and long-suffering and love, etc., to direct my words, actions, decisions, and so forth. Romans 6.6 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. He's not, a sin is not our servant. I'm sorry, we are not the servant of sin. That's what I'm trying to say. We're to be the servant of the Lord Jesus. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians says. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, In the book here, uh, the author writes that the spirit-controlled life is really summed up in the hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. Let's reflect on those words. You want to talk about the spirit-filled life? Here it is in the hymn. Take my life and let it be, consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Uh, I think so many of our hymns have such deep truth that we sing, but that's the spirit-filled life right there. The spirit controlling every part of me. (laughs) So we need to connect with God Be willing to confess our sin to God. And then uh, we need to call upon God in prayer, ask Him, and then to continue, continue with God. Walk through each day exercising sensitivity to God's leadership and following His direction. It's not going to happen automatically. Um, You know, this is is a Spirit-filled life. It's walking in the Spirit. Walking means reiterated steps. So we need to walk 
daily, moment by moment. Galatians 5.16, this I say, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Proverbs 3, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Walk with him and continue to depend upon him. I, I think sometimes people have mistaken the Spirit-filled life to be like this certain aura. I've been Christians, with Christians who I think were well-meaning and like wanted to be Spirit-filled and became enraptured with the idea of being Spirit-filled and they kind of put on this Spirit-filled persona. And it's very off-putting to me whenever I see, it's like the Spirit-filled life is not you acting a certain persona. The Spirit-filled life is you being a channel of his life but it's really you and that's what makes it so amazing because someone's looking at you and they're saying yep that's that's bill i mean is it bill yeah that's bill but bill's different god's got a hold of bill and i want to listen i want to hear what he has to say because this is this is this is powerful stuff it is not powerful when you can tell that someone is acting or trying so hard to put something on. Uh, the only thing we're supposed to put on is the whole armor of God, okay? And that's not acting. I mean, <laughs> uh, we're supposed to uh, lift the shield of faith. When it comes to the walk in the Spirit, it is a real walk with real people who, as, as the Scripture says in Acts 4, they were nothing to speak of. They marveled at them because of their ignorance and, un, and, and, and unlearnedness. But they had been with Jesus. Continue with God and may it be a real uh, walk with God that demonstrates uh, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit is giving you His power. Alright, number three, the product of being filled with the Spirit. This is where we want to just skip to this. All I care about is the product. Give me the end goal, man. How do I get the power? Well, there was a guy who asked Peter about that. Remember him? I believe his name was Simon, the sorcerer, or Elymas, the sorcerer. And he said, um, I'll pay you for this power, this Holy Spirit power thing, whatever you do. How much does it cost? And that didn't go over so well. This is something that we also fall prey to. We just want the product without the process and the, and the pathway and so forth. But praise the Lord for the product. There is a product. Uh, we just need to get there His way. Acts 4.29 says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be named by the, done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Hey, there's some neat things that God does through his people when they surrender to him. Uh, letter A, the Spirit produces a bold witness. So that we're going to look at some different things that are produced by the Holy Spirit. We'll go quickly because we're running out of time. We've hit this verse a couple of times, but let's hit it again. Acts 4.13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. A bold witness. I used to preach on Acts 4 in evangelism <laughs> at a series that I would do called The Backdrop of Boldness. And in other words, it's not that some people are just born bold. Stay away from those guys. Uh, it's, it's the one who isn't bold, who has so much bubbling in him that he cannot help but speak and that God gives boldness. 
That's the one that you want to listen to. That's, that's real right there. Acts 4.31b, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Good news for everyone here tonight. If you're not bold and you'd like to be able to share your faith boldly, there is hope for you. We've already mentioned it, but I'll mention it again because it comes up again in the notes. Spend time with Jesus. Ask Him to, to reveal Himself to you like, he's never, like you've never seen. Be willing to go through the trial, the, the valley, and uh, God gives you boldness through those things, those times with Him that you, you, couldn't, you couldn't have any other way. Acts, I'm sorry, Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Uh, you know, sometimes we see Christians and we're like, wow, that guy is so bold. That guy has bold faith. I wish I had that. Well, you, you do. It's not his faith. It's not his boldness. It's the Holy Spirit's boldness. He mentions here, some attempt boldness in their own strength, but they mistake brashness with boldness. I had to go down this path being an evangelist who did a lot of street preaching. Um... I, I learned a lot about myself, and the Lord, the Lord, I think, helped to hone me. But uh, early on, being very young when I started street preaching, I think I thought boldness was brashness. And, you know, there's all these guys that I admired who were street preachers, and maybe I learned some things from them, and a lot of things needed to be unlearned later. But I loved how some of these guys would get up, and they just have these little one-liners that were just zingers. Uh, oh, man, that guy, oh, oh that, that was good. Oh, man, yeah, that was bold. And, I, you know, it didn't ever seem to do anything. It made people mad. Um, there was never any sense of this, the power of God. And thankfully, I saw the emptiness of that. And you can only do that so long, do something that's empty for so long before it's like, what are we doing here? What's this about? I've also been on the street when there was real boldness and the Spirit of God was there. Oh, man, I, I got stories about that. Seeing, seeing people saved in the open air. They were walking down the street to go to a bar, hear the preacher preaching from the back of a pickup truck. Don't go in the bar. They go to the pickup truck, get saved right there on their knees by the back of the pickup truck. Why are you in the back of the pickup truck? Because... We couldn't legally be there unless we... We couldn't be on the sidewalk because it was too close to the bar. Cops didn't want us there. Couldn't be in the street because that impedes traffic. So we'd plug the meter, park, plug the meter. We're legally there. We'd pile on the back of the pickup truck. It worked. You know, I saw people saved there. It, it, and it was, it, was the re, it was real. It was the reality of Christ. Um, and and uh, But, so I've seen both. I've seen boldness that wasn't boldness. It was just ego. And that does not help, but humility, spirit-filled burden, overflowing, and that boldness that comes, that's what, we, that's what we want. That's what we should be praying for. The boldness that comes from a walk with Jesus. So the Holy Spirit produces a bold witness. Questions or thoughts on that? Yes, sir. Now, every believer has a mustard seed of boldness that just needs to be watered. Mm. And that um, if you're willing 
to do just a little bit on God's behalf that um, people see it, they recognize it, and it encourages you. It gives you a hunger. Mm. Amen. Amen. I remember um, being with my friend in Ireland, Sam, and we went down to our park. I say our park because it's where we would do our open-air services. And uh, this was St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. There was not one square inch of that grass that didn't have a body on it. It was unreal. Normally the park was just, they called it the green, just grass everywhere. It was packed with people. And I had written a tract uh, called St. Patrick of Ireland, and, and it was for Patrick's Day and had the gospel and everything. Pa- what, what Patrick would have said had he been here, uh, I think. Okay. Um, and I, so uh, Sam and I went to go pass that out. And well, we're passing out hundreds of these tracks all over. They're sitting on their cases of beer. There's beer, 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 beer. And we're passing out tracks, and uh, they would take them. And then I remember Sam, I could, I could look, I was looking at his face, I was like, God's doing something in his heart. His heart's breaking. He's looking at all these people. I was like, something's welling over. He's about to do something, <laughs> you know. And I started to get a little scared, like, uh-oh, I'm not sure what's coming. But I think, I, I, I think something's coming. You know, one thing about that, though, I learned is okay. I don't have to do what someone else is doing. Like, God's doing something in Sam's heart. It's okay for me to just pray for him and watch. Pressure's off. This is, this is, this is him and the Lord right now. So um, I'm just handing out tracks and keeping an eye on Sam. Then I lost him in the crowd. I don't know where he went. Next thing I know, there, there, so there's a gazebo that we would normally preach from, and there's a fountain, you know, all these different things. And Sam climbs on top of the mountain. Uh, not the fountain. The fountain. The mountain of fountain. He climbs up on the fountain, and with a kind of a weak, trembling voice at first, begins to talk to everybody about the gospel track we had handed out and St. Patrick of Ireland. And they all want to hear that. It's Patrick's Day. And he th- talks about some history at first and just kind of, they're, they're just kind of listening and, and so forth. And then he gets into the gospel and he preaches a straightforward gospel message. And th- th- there was a reality there. It was, it was obviously God gripping his heart and overflowing. And he got done from the fountain. I'm like, don't fall in. <laughs> you know? And I'm watching this. And at first I was scared for him. Like, what are you doing? And, and the Lord said, no, this is his thing. Again, you're allowed to do that. God's allowed to touch your wife and not touch you. Let, let the Lord lead your wife or you or whatever and pull for him. And, and, and so I'm praying for him. And he got done and everyone stood and clapped. And they cheered. I was like, I'm not expecting that. <laughs> and then we started inviting people to come back to our house. Rebecca uh, was ready for anything. Uh, we said, we've got stew. No, was it stew? no, it was chili. We had chili and something. And anybody wants to come back to the house and talk more about it, come. 16 people come from the park down to our house. And uh, then I got to preach. And I, I preached a message there. We had several saved that day. And, uh, and that the story is neat because a week before in that same park, Sam and I, were, we were both preaching. It was my turn. 
I was preaching and a guy who was high out of his head on some kind of, I don't know what, came up and attacked Sam and grabbed him by the lapels and headbutted him. Well, that guy, fast forward, uh, now Sam's preaching from the fountain, that guy was there and he was sober of all things. Uh, on St. Patrick's Day, he comes back, he was one of the 16 that came back with his mom and got saved uh, and went with us to RU every Friday night and all. Um, anyway, when it's real, when it's the Lord, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Uh, now, if I'd try to jump in there and be like Sam, I want, I, I want to, I want to, it's not about you. It's never been about you. It's about him. It's about what is God doing? And you walk with the Lord and you, and you follow. And, and the boldness, the boldness is there when God's spirit is in control and, and you're able to overflow to the lost. We gotta, we're, we're out of time. Let me hit these last couple real quick. Letter B, I think it is. The spirit produces a steady walk. And then they called him and commanded that they not speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In the face of threats, they continued to walk steadfastly with the Lord. So we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to keep witnessing. Um, you know, our church, we don't know what we're going to face, but may we have the boldness to say we cannot help but speak the things we've seen and heard. And our Baptist church is going to keep walking with God. We're going to keep speaking the truth that God has given us to share and remain steadfast. The Holy Spirit produces a steady walk. You know, we're up and we're down. The Holy Spirit never is. We have good days, we have bad days. The Holy Spirit never has a bad day. You know, we can have a much more steady walk if we're walking in the Spirit than if we are not. Let her see. The Holy Spirit produces a divine work by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They had seen 3,000 saved on Pentecost. They saw 5,000 saved after the lame man get, gets healed in, John, uh, in chapter 3. Uh, they saw an opportunity to preach to the priest that crucified Jesus. Incredible opportunity after incredible opportunity. Well, that's because the Holy Spirit produces a divine work. <clears throat> As we see God enable and provide and give His power and produce something that should encourage our faith to keep walking with Him, keep trusting Him, and keep depending upon him. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The greatest hindrance that I have had in my journey of walking in the spirit has been myself. I get all caught up in me and or wanting to somehow share in the glory or or whatever. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's about dying to self, yielding to Him. So the Holy Spirit is Christ's promise to us. He's that source of power, but He's more than just a power source. He is the, the comforter who God has sent to be with us, to live with us, and to sustain us, to control us. We can know this week that we are filled with the Spirit as we yield to Him, as we ask, as we call upon Him, 
Uh, he will control, he will fill, he will guide, he will give us the word, he'll give us the, the witness, he'll give us the victory, whatever we need. Uh, it's there for us. We have the provision. Let's look to him and trust and obey. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for this important discussion on walking in the Spirit. Lord, as we saw tonight, walking in the Spirit makes a difference. We want to make a difference in this world, Lord. We know that they don't need us. They need you. Teach us, Lord. Give us the boldness as we spend time with Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for what you're doing now. We pray your blessing on those who can't be here, those who are ill and, and sick. Pray for Kevin and Carol Shepherd that you would have your hand upon them physically and encourage them. Lord, give us a good night now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.